Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound, the unfiltered bam means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way right here, right now. Officially, this will go down as episode number 233. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7. It's easy. Get over the artist formerly known as Twitter X, if you will. Jump up into the bio at Casey Stern. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like all the videos. Comment, question yourself away. Share with all your friends. And, of course, where all of you can listen, and most of you do, and that's via the podcast variety, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you can get them. As we're happy to get the unfiltered band back on board. Thank you to them. Thank you for being with us. We deviate from baseball a little bit here on uh, episode 233 because I got a preview 296. We're talking about the UFC this Saturday closeout shop for the year, T-Mobile uh, Arena in Vegas. And as a diehard of this sport and MMA and UFC for a long time, going back really right about the time before the season of the Ultimate Fighter, the first season began. There are so many cards now, and we're so oversaturated a little bit, especially with all the Apex cards and the fight nights, that there are very few cards that get me going to the point where I already have my notifications on on YouTube to make sure that when these press conferences start, I can get at them and watch them live. It is very rare that I'm in that mode all week before a UFC event, unless it's something big-time major. This is something big time major. This is the best card of the year on paper, in my opinion, in 296. Now, I don't know if the fights will play out that way, but the card definitely does. I want to break it down, get into it, get into some predictions, and see kind of where you feel. You can comment, question along the way, as always, as we are here in large part presented by our good friends at Bet Online, number one source for your sports betting needs, whether it might be the UFC or boxing or baseball, basketball, football. They've got everything you need golf. They continue to be, Bet Online does, the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers. They got live betting, favorite casino, and card games. They're all available to play right now from your phone. All you got to do is head over to the website today, use your mobile device if you want to sign up, and get in on all the action. Remember, though, to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Bet Online where the game starts as we get started here. And instead of kind of leading up to the main event, on a card where, look, we could spend 30 minutes here on this podcast talking about the prelims. You got Randy Brown in a prelim. You got Cody uh, in the prelim opener. You got you know Cody Garbrandt in a prelim against Kelleher. You've got now Bryce Mitchell stepping in to face Josh Emmett in a prelim. The prelim itself, the that card, right, is that you get on ESPN Plus. That's like almost like a fight night card in an apex. Before you get to this main card, it is bananas. Curious your thoughts on these fights and your picks. You could drop them in the comments. Let's go from the main event side and go on the way down. Colby Covington is, by the time he fights, it, it will be almost two years. In March, it would have been two years since the last time he fought. And that is where a lot of these questions lie in this fight because this is not going to be, a lot of times guys have different you know, skill sets where you may, depending on a fight, see that fighter come in and say, okay, well, this time I'm going to take this guy to the ground because he can hurt me on the feet. Or in this case, this guy's a submission specialist, so I'm going to keep it on the feet. But I got skills in both, and I can try and 
as a champion or as somebody who's good enough to be a one number one contender because I got all those skill sets. I can try and then mold them based on who I'm facing. That is not a question here for Colby Covington because he's not molding anything. The guy's going to weaponize his cardio. He's going to try 50 million takedown attempts. He may be successful, and he's going to use his strikes to try and keep Leon backed up, get him against the fence, get him in the clinch, and try and take him down. That is his goal. He is not trying to get into a striking match with Leon Edwards, clearly. Unlike Kamaru Usman, and there's been a lot of comparisons that have been made over the last you know few weeks leading up to this fight, yes, Kamaru's got a wrestling background, right? A better wrestler, maybe even, than Colby, just in, in that sense. But he also has knockout power. Colby Covington can be effective with his strikes because they come in lots of volume, but he's not a knockout puncher. He's just not. So we know there is no question mark about what Colby's going to try and do. The question marks lie in that two-year layoff and what kind of rust he's going to have, if any. You know, we know he hated, right? We understand that, whether he tells us all the time or not. You could tell by the work ethic, we know a lot of that is shtick, right? In terms of his character. But we know what his character's like in the gym. Everything we've seen here over the years, guy works as hard as anybody. That's how you get to the cardio level that he's got. So if you're Colby Covington, you're coming in here hot. You're coming in here motivated. You're coming in here ready to go. But is the body going to answer after the two-year layoff? That's a big question. But clearly not question in terms of what he's going to try and do to Leon. Now, Leon Edwards is a guy who has never gotten enough credit. Even now, I feel like a lot of people are still not giving him a lot of credit. He beat Usman once, and look, and I remember, you know, headshot bang in the, in the, the head kick. He was losing that fight, losing it pretty badly. At the time, DC and John Anik and company were talking about right before it happened, they pretty much was giving up on himself. Even though that wasn't the case, you know, let's be fair, Dave Lovello's coach kind of had to revive him a little bit in that corner. Come on, Leon. I mean, we had terrible accent, but you get it, right? So he didn't get credit necessarily there because he hadn't been winning the fight. Then when he beat Usman the second time and clearly won the fight, it wasn't dominant enough. Or clearly Kamaru is not who he used to be. And this is what we do, and this is the rhetoric that we put out there. So now Leon Edwards is in a spot where he gets another chance to go kind of shut somebody up and show that he is the best in the world at 170 pounds. The problem that I have in this fight in believing that a Colby Covington can beat a Leon Edwards is I don't even think if Colby gets Leon down, he can keep him there. Leon to me is just too athletic. He's got really good takedown defense, but he's also very difficult to keep down. The fight is going to play out on the feet enough where Leon is going to use that length and use those kicks specifically, which I think will be a huge factor in this fight to keep Colby off balance, the kicks of the oblique and the ribs. And, and I, I mean, this guy is utilizing, you know, not only the head, but really all of the assets of mixed martial arts in terms of that you know, kickboxing that he brings to the table. And I think he's going to have enough of that. I actually think Leon could take Colby down if he wanted. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but I think he could. I don't believe, however, that Leon's going to knock Colby Covington out. I just don't think so. Colby's been so durable. Even when he's gotten down in fights, he's gotten back up. It just seems to be part of his M.O., so I think this is going to look similar to the Usman 
uh, first fight. The second one was more competitive. If you remember, Kobe keeps saying he won it. I think that was in New York, but he did lose and deserved to lose three of the five rounds. The first one was a, a little bit of a thrashing. Uh, I believe that this is going to be something where Kobe will hang in there. I think it'll be a decision, but I think Leon will win four of the five rounds. And I think Kobe's going to have a hard time taking Leon down. And he's going to eat some strikes. And Leon's going to be technical. I'd love to say that Leon's going to get into a dog fight. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, even in a technical fight, can he knock Colby out? He can. Um, I'm not predicting it to happen. I'm going to go Leon by decision. But I think, and still, for Leon Edwards. But it's, it is a very, very interesting fight. Because I think if Colby Covington clearly can get ground control and top control and start raining down elbows and using his fists and control Leon, then Leon's going to be in, in a bad way sitting there on his back. I don't believe with the athleticism and the strength of Leon Edwards that Colby Covington's going to be able to do that. Colby is not even a big 170. He's not. Now, I don't know if Leon's big enough. He keeps talking about going to 185. I don't know if he's big enough for that, to be quite honest, but Colby is not a big 170. And I think that he's going to have a really hard time keeping Leon down. And I think he will probably take him down at some point, probably get him against the cage, be able to get a single or a double leg or trip or something that gets him down. But I think Leon's going to get back up. But that's where the determining factor in this fight is. It's not going to be if he could take him down. It's going to be if he can keep him there. I don't believe he can. And that's why I think most of it will play out on the feet. Let's get to the uh, co-main event. Alexandre Pantoja, Brandon Roybal. When they got these guys fought in 2021, I went back and I watched this fight recently and the submission. You could see, even though Brandon Roybal is still a guy who is, you know, he basically in it to win it. He's one of the most interesting and exciting fighters in the UFC because of the way that he approaches fights, because he's willing to get in there and bang, because he could scramble, because he is 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 always going to be in a fight. And he kind of eats that contact up. And you know, you could tell that he embraces all of that, embraces the crazy in the octagon. It, it's a lot of fun to watch. But he is not as crazy as he used to be. And he got careless in that first fight. And if you watch the last three fights, and look, opponents can certainly play into this as well. I'm not saying that the guys he just fit to beat. But I do think he's settled down a little bit, and I think he's a little bit of a different fighter. I think he's a more calculated and more measured fighter than he was the first time that these guys went at it in 2021. The problem is, I think Pantoja is a better fighter as well. And I think that Pantoja is a guy, what makes him so dangerous is that even though his ground skills are so, so impressive and so good, he can hurt you on the feet. And he uses that to get you, he doesn't have to, going back to Colby, you shoot takedowns all the time. He'll hurt you on the feet, get you off balance. He's not sitting there just throwing punches just to keep you off his game and then take you down, get you off balance. Then he can get you down to the ground, get you in that backpack and put you in a hard, in a, in a really hard spot. I think Pantoja and Roy Ball are going to go back at it, back and forth. I think this is going to be the fight of the night. I think it's going to be a great fight. Hit the Moreno fight was brilliant. And there's no reason why Roy Ball won't be the same way. I think it'll be that way here. But I think back and forth for a couple of rounds with Pantoja and Royval, and you may be even sitting there in a spot, let's say getting into round four, where you got Royval up 2-1, or it's a Pantoja 2-1. It's going to be a really, really close fight. But I think eventually Pantoja is going to find enough spots on the feet that he's going to put Royval in a position where he's going to put him asleep again. I'm going to go rear naked in a fourth round for Pantoja after getting him there with strikes. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth affair. It would not shock me if Royval won, 
But I think Pantoja has upped his game. And I believe in that whole thing that Teddy Atlas was saying going back a year ago, whenever it was, that you, you kind of beef up 30% when you win a belt. I think we saw that from Leon Edwards going back to Leon, second Usman fight. And I think that that's a real thing, clearly. So I'm going with Pantoja here, fourth round submission. Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Shavkat Rachmanov. <clears throat> I love Wonderboy. This dude is a pure martial artist. He's as good and as nice a person as anybody in the sport. You can't find anybody and who the hell would who would ever say a bad thing about this guy, and why would they? And, you know, helping kids and everything. I, I love this guy. He also, even at 41, can still fight. Look, Kevin Holland is not the most technical fighter in the world. And, you know, his skills are almost better than the way he fights in a lot of ways. If you watch Holland, you know what I mean. But so, but at the same time, that was impressive the way that he was putting it on him with the strikes, even though Holland was dealing with an injury and all the things behind that. I get it. Thompson's skills, point being, are still there. They are. But they're not the skills of Shavkat Rachmanov. And as I go through this over the last few weeks and listen to all the interviews, and I go back and watch recent fights, and I went back and watched the Shavkat Jeff Neal fight with that bulldog choke. And I, I sit there and I think, how is Steven Thompson going to win this fight? Well, clearly, the only chance he has to win is if Shavkat, like he did with Jeff Neal, and like Steven Thompson had with Kevin Holland, stands there at range and goes, you know, tit for tat with him on the feet. And he gets in in a firefight and an exchange of kickboxing, <clears throat> and he's able to win a decision. Because Thompson's not even a guy who has knockout power necessarily, unless he landed some perfect head kick or something like that. So he'd have to, really the, the ways to win for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Look, I love the story. I wanted to see him win people. I do. I'll be rooting for him. But the ways for him to win are just so limited. It's really by decision and keeping it on the feet, or at least when he gets taken down, because he will not getting submitted and being able to get back up or surviving the last 90 seconds of a round to live another day and get to the next round. But then you lose rounds. How are you winning a decision? Because again, I just don't see him knocking out Rock one up. I don't think he's got a power to do that. I, I don't think so. A perfect strike, clearly a perfect kick. We know that those things can happen, right? Going back to the headshot at the beginning of this conversation, but I just don't, I don't know if I see that. The ways to win for Rachmanov are are almost twofold. I think Shavkat could sit there and punch for punch with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, have more power than Wonderboy, and put him down on his butt and then finish him off with strikes, even though I don't think he necessarily would knock him out with one punch. And his ability to take down Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, look, we don't want to watch it. We don't want to see it. It's not going to be the most fun thing. It's not how everybody wants to see the fight play out. <clears throat> but we saw it with Gilbert Burns. We've seen it with Bilal Muhammad. We know the way to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We know you got to take him to the ground. We know Shavkat can do that. What the hell do you think is going to happen? Sometimes with betting and in general with picking fights and with games, we get so quirky and we, we think too much. We think too much. And in this case, don't think so much, people. It's it pretty simple the way I see it. Shavkat and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson are going to play out on the feet for a little bit. Shavkat's going to want to see what he's got against Wonderboy, considering all the skills. We'll get a couple of oohs and ahs. Then at some point, I think in that first round, you're getting a takedown for Shavkat Rachmanov, and you're, you're putting Thompson in some danger. I'm going to put it as a round two TKO, strikes on the ground. I, I think Shavkat will take him down in the first round. I think he'll get him down. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson will be bloodied by the time the first round is over, but I think he'll survive. I think you'll hear Joe Rogan in D.C. talking about just how amazing Rachmanov is and how much trouble Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is. 
and then you know, 45 seconds into round two, it's over. I, I love Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I hope he doesn't retire uh, when he loses this fight. I hope I'm wrong and he wins the fight, but I'm taking Shavkat Rachmanov. I'll go early round two TKO ground strikes. Let's get to Patty Pimblett and Tony Ferguson. Patty Pimblett is a guy who, after what happened with the Jared Gordon fight, it is really hard to like him, right? Also, the stuff with Ariel, who I know well and respect the hell out of and used to work with. And, you know, a lot of the other things that Patty has done, I mean, it's just difficult to respect. Um, but you have to respect the, the star quality. I mean, the walkout is ridiculous. The attention he gets is certainly deserved. And a lot of it deserved because of a positive side of his fighting going into that Jared Gordon fight. But then he got into a fight where, you know, he... To me, it wasn't the fact that he got a decision he didn't deserve. It was the fact that he tried to pretend like we're all idiots afterwards. And what the hell are we talking about? He lost the fight when we all knew he lost the fight. That, that was the biggest problem for me with what happened with that, with that Jared Gordon decision. But now after the surgeries, after the layoff, fixing up the ankle, he's getting fed here by the UFC a little bit. They're trying to regain that star of Patty Pimblett, and this is what the UFC does, and they're doing it courtesy of feeding a retirement fight for Tony Ferguson. That is what that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen, but that is absolutely, and they'll never admit it, what the UFC is doing, and they might not have to admit it. They're following the lawsuit and the Nate Diaz emails and all that stuff going on. I think we understand what they do, but they are absolutely feeding a retirement fight for Tony Ferguson on the last pay-per-view of the year, because Tony not going to end it himself. So let's end it for him. And let's just, you know, let's get Patty back in the good graces and, and back in the start in the spotlight because we can make some money with him. That that's what this is. That's what this is. Now, how is it going to play out? Here's the problem I have picking Tony Ferguson and I'm not going to, I think Patty's going to win this fight. And I think Patty's going to win this fight by submission. We saw Bobby Green eventually late in that fight get a sub. I think Patty's going to get a sub, I'll say, late in round two. Here's the problem I have with this fight. If you go back and you watch Tony Ferguson over his career, he's always been unorthodox. He's always had the cardio. <clears throat> he's always, you know, had that mindset. You know, I don't know why he's been with David Goggins because the fighters in the UFC who need David Goggins, Tony Ferguson, not one of them. He needed to be concentrating on crisper striking. He needed to be concentrating on takedown defense. He needed to be concentrating on, you know, how to maximize what he has left of his skills. His mind has always been fine. So I don't really understand what it is, what it is. And I think Goggins going to be in his corner, which is weird anyway, but whatever. Tony Ferguson, if you go back, watch his last few fights, he comes out strong. He's going to fire awkwardly at you on the feet. And once you avoid that, he almost, you could see, senses he can't hurt you. And then once he can't hurt you, he gets careless. The other guy gets more comfortable. And you've watched every opponent, <coughs> going back to the Chandler fight, watch every other opponent get, excuse me, thank you, get more and more comfortable against Tony Ferguson. His age show up more and more, and the fight gets into a spot where it's like, you know, Tony looks old, you feel bad for him and please retire. I mean, it, that, it goes from, wow, Tony looks good to please retire in like 10 minutes of, of, of in octagon action. 
Patty Pimblett may not always stay in the best shape, but Patty Pimblett is younger. He is hungry as hell coming up that last performance and all the layoff and knowing what this is. And it's a must win for him, even if it's a lose lose situation. I think Patty is going to be neck and neck with Tony a little bit, kind of what we've seen for beginning of the first round. Tony may have a moment or two and ooh and ah. Then you get into round two. I think Patty's going <clears> to <throat> hit him with a bunch of strikes, take him down to the ground, and submit him fairly easily in round two. And I think Tony Ferguson will retire. That's, that's, I hope he will retire. I think he will do it on his own. And I think part of the reason he'll do it on his own is because he knows that after seven losses, they're going to cut him. And he doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't want to end it that way. So I think he'll retire. So I'm going to predict uh, submission Patty Pimblett round two and a Tony Ferguson retirement to D.C. Let's get to uh, the final one that I'll break down. That's the first one, the main card. I could do a whole nother the show on Ian Gary and everything that's gone on with that. A guy who, look, he's not Conor McGregor. He's trying to be, but he's got star quality vibes. He absolutely has charisma. He absolutely moves the needle. And without a shadow of a doubt, he's got a lot of talent. Vicente Luque is a tough guy. He's a seasoned veteran. He's been around, and I think this is a good test for Ian Gary. And Luque, I think, is going to be the first one who can at least, you know, put Gary into spots where there is some danger that's presented because Vicente Luque can strike. He's a guy who could take you down. He's versatile. <clears throat> He's experienced. He's not going to be certainly overwhelmed by the moment. But I think this is Ian Gary's moment. I think after everything that has happened, um, he is being put in a spot where the spotlight is on him. And I think Ian Gary is going to find a way to take out Vicente Luque in the third round. Um, I'm going to go with, I think it'll be something you know, violent, some sort of strike. Um, I, I think that on the feet, he's going to be crisper and younger than Vicente Luque. I think Luque eventually will realize that and try and take him down. And then we're going to find out if Ian Gary can get up. I, I don't know that necessarily doesn't have to stay on his back a little bit on this fight, but I think he gets up enough that in round three, he takes out Luke and I'll take Ian Gary to win this fight in the opener of a main card. That is the best card of the year in the final card of the year. UFC 296. This is 233 in the books. Lots more baseball coming up. Uh, we've got all the free agent breakdowns still to come for the carousel. We'll have a, a pod when Yamamoto signs. I got John Gibbons, the new bench coach of the Mets, coming up here in the next couple of days. A lot of podcasts coming out. Keep up with the comments and the questions and the conversation. Artist formerly known as Twitter, X if you will, at Casey Stern. Jump onto the YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, tell all your friends. Watch all the videos, the conversations. Guests from the Dusty Bakers, the Matt Holidays, all the way on down the line that we've had on this show. Gary Sheffield. Uh, Alex Cora, just to name a few up the top of my head, Adam Jones. So we've got some really great pieces. If you haven't seen them, go check those out and get them on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. If that's not already where you are listening to me now, where we close out episode 233 of Unfiltered is always presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.